Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. Our testimony reading is from Jonah, chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or the betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this to you for your own benefit, not only to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Be to you, After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brothers of Simon, brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. 
called them. And they left their father Zebes and followed him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Follow me. It's the cry that hits our ears and our eyes every day. It might be a business promising deals if we follow them on Facebook. Or maybe it's an influencer, you know, one who has their fingers on the pulse of what's hot and the one who will make more money, if only you will become one of their intimate group of 250,000 followers. It might be your favorite sports team, offering you some of the inside scoop on what's going on with the team, and of course offering Merck, you know, for you to buy. Merck or merch, you know. That's that cool word for merchandise. Maybe it's your favorite podcast host. Maybe they have some keen insight, deep knowledge, or just plain old helpful tips. We hear the cry, follow me. And we also acknowledge that the more people that follow me, the better it is for the bottom line. But you know, long before social media made it possible for one goofy little clip to be seen 25 million times, the call to follow me was still common. In fact, when Jesus said, follow me, that call was not all that unusual. Lots of rabbis, lots of teachers had followers. But instead of just lying on a couch watching videos, people would literally follow their leaders around. They would spend most of their time, if not all of their time, with them. They would be learning of their teachings, their philosophies, their way of life. The students would emulate their teachers, and then they would carry on when their teachers died, which was always a sure thing. They would die. And so when Jesus said to Simon and Andrew and James and John that day, follow me, the call was not that unusual. But what was unusual was where Jesus was going and where he was calling them to follow. Because from the very beginning of his ministry, he was headed to the cross. Now to be sure, they would hear lots of teaching along the way. They would see amazing things. Jesus healing the sick, cleansing lepers, casting out demons, even raising the dead. They would see Jesus challenged, and they would see Jesus challenging the philosophies and lives of others. But none of that was what Jesus was primarily about. His focus was the cross, where he would lay down his life for the life of the world. And so while Jesus' call in itself was not unusual, it was different. Jesus wanted his followers to see and to learn that the kingdom of God is at hand. That in Jesus, God had come to establish his reign on earth, but it was not a reign full of rules or teachings or philosophies to follow, but rather it was a reign, a kingdom of life, eternal life. 
And so their message would be, repent and believe the gospel. Their task would be not to imitate Jesus in life or death, but to point to Jesus, to point to him as the one who did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The one who did what no other teacher, no other philosophy, no other way of life could do. Their job was to point to the one who conquers death. This is why he came. Other rabbis lived and then died. Jesus came to die and then live. And the twelve would be sent out to preach that very fact, that in Jesus there is life. And so repent. Turn from the teachings and the philosophies and the ways of life that lead to death and believe the gospel that in Jesus there is life because in Jesus there is the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus is not just another teaching or philosophy or way of life. It's not just a matter of, well, you have your rabbi and I have my rabbi, which is so common today, that Jesus is just one of many. If it were just a matter of following an example, that would be true. But following Jesus is following Him to the cross. It is to see Him there on the cross as your substitute. It is to see at the cross the great love of God poured out for you and to see that this is how the kingdom of God is at hand. This is how God is establishing His reign on earth through the forgiveness of sins. Because there is no other way out of death to life. And so Simon and Andrew, James and John, they followed Jesus. They had no idea what they were in for. They would see the unimaginable, hear a teaching with an authority that's not of this earth. They would be convicted that Jesus of Nazareth is God in the flesh. And then they would see God die for his creation. The sin of the whole world counted against him on the cross and the price paid so that death could be dealt with once for all. That no longer would death end life, but life would end death. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, that's exactly what we see. A life that ends death. Follow me, Jesus says, and see this. Follow me and hear that I forgive all of your sins. All of your grisly, horrible, unthinkable sins. I know them all, Jesus says, because I took them all to myself on the cross. I was declared guilty, Jesus says, so that you would be declared not guilty. So follow me and no longer die a death that ends your life, but receive a life that will end your death. This is the message of Life Sunday. And in fact, it's not an unfamiliar message because it is the same message that we preach every Sunday. That in Jesus there is life. 
Because in Jesus, there is forgiveness of sins. You see, there is a bit of a danger in separating out a special sanctity of life Sunday. If the gospel of forgiveness is the same that is preached, the same that is given here every Sunday, then the thing that would be different about this Sunday becomes a matter of law and not gospel. And there's always a danger with the law that we can become prideful. Prideful that we are better than those followers of Christ who don't regard life as sacred like we do. Or it's easy for this Sunday to become a guilt trip to stir you up to be a better follower of Christ and to do more. Should we be doing more? Yes, absolutely, always. But if that's all that this Sunday is about, it would actually be better to skip it altogether. Because the law is good if it leads us to Christ and to His life. And so today is not a day for pride or to heap on guilt, but it is a day, like every other day, to repent and believe the gospel, the gospel of life. To be sure, abortion is a problem. Millions of children have been killed in the United States alone, and the number keeps growing no matter what's gone on at the national level. And of course, the problem is has moved from the pharmacy, from the clinic to the pharmacy, where abortions become as easy as taking two aspirin. In fact, where medicational abortions are allowed, they account for more than half of all of the abortions in those states. Take two pills, and you can be assured there's no life in your womb. But it's not just abortion. Sunday, Life Sunday has not always any, ever been just about abortion. It's also about mercy killings, suicides, withholding treatment from those who need it. You know, 10 of our states have doctor-assisted suicide as the law. 15 states, ours included, have legislation working its way through the system. Of course, they're not called physician-assisted suicide laws. That's too crass. Rather, they're called death with dignity laws. Ultimately, the problem across the spectrum is how easy it is to be seduced into seeing death as the answer. Death is the answer to their problems. Death is an answer to their suffering. Death as an answer to their sin. And it's even among Christians, even you and I. The same fears, the same greed, the same lusts, the same selfishness, it all lives in our hearts as well. And the truth is Christians have abortions. Christians commit suicide. Christians lash out. Christians kill in thought, in word, in deed, and desire. And so to you and to all, 
the message this Life Sunday is welcome. Welcome here with the rest of us sinners. With the rest of us who have followed the wrong path. Welcome and receive the washing of Jesus' forgiveness for your sins. For all of your sins. Whatever and however many they may be. There is no sin or no sinner that's too big. If that were true, then you can be sure God would never have sent Jonah to Nineveh. I mean, you want to talk about a great city, Nineveh. They were the Syrian capital, and they were some of the meanest, vilest, orniest, stubbornest, evilest people ever. It's one of the reasons Jonah didn't want to go. <laughs> but God would not let him not go. Because that's the extent of God's grace. And that grace is for you. Every life is valuable to God, whether you live in a house or in a womb, whether you're up and walking about or confined to a wheelchair, whether you're out making a name for yourself or no longer able to remember anyone's name, whether you're from Israel, from Nineveh, or the United States, you are valuable to God. You may not be valuable to anyone else, but you are to God always. Because you are worth the life of His Son, who died that you might live. Jesus called Simon, Andrew, James, and John, and the rest of the disciples to follow Him, and they did, literally. They traveled with Him nearly constantly for three years. They were amazed by the miracles and astonished by the insightful teaching. But He was always leading them to the cross, leading them to see His death was for the sin of the world and His resurrection was for the life of the world. He was leading them to the cross to see how the kingdom of God is at hand and then to proclaim that message to the world that all people might see and might know and might receive that life. The life that starts even now as Jesus and His life lives in you. As you not only follow Him, but live for Him, even as He lives for you. And so you now can be an ambassador of His love to others in a whole multitude of ways. Yes, speaking for those who can't speak for themselves. Defending the defenseless. Proclaiming life. And most especially, proclaiming His victory over death. So that you can bring to others hope in the midst of despair. You can bring His love for the vulnerable. His strength for the weak. And His good coming even out of suffering. God will give you opportunities to share the kingdom of God. He will work through you. Follow me, he simply says, and he'll do the rest. Because he has. He has done everything necessary for life. And that's the bottom line this Life Sunday. Amen. May the peace of God established at Jesus' death and resurrection 
Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ, your Savior, as you follow him. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Dew. God's blessings.